throne, any, any powers that be on this world or in the world we cannot see, uh, any throne, any, any grave over death and over any obstacle, any sin, any temptation, any failure and addiction. Uh, I mean, what, what can stand? We, we sang this last week, I think. Um, uh, oh, now I'm going to blank out. How does it go? I, I, sing the, I think this every time we sing um, The Lion and the Lamb. Um, when, he's, when it says, help me out, the, the, the bridge. Um, oh, this is, this is why you don't do off ad lib. Um, uh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? No one! I'm going to do that sometime, so just be ready. Like, no one! Yeah, right? So, wow, let's go. Um, all right, we're looking at uh, Proverbs. We continue to, to uh, work our way through wise words, um, lessons from Proverbs. And last week we looked at practical wisdom in Proverbs for resolving conflict. And uh, one of the ones we looked at was Proverbs 15.1, uh, suggested that rather than responding with a harsh word, a soft answer uh, would diffuse anger in a conflict or argument. And, and this week I, I want to go further in terms of wisdom for how we communicate um, it's still going to be a lot of conflict stuff there because that's a lot of what happens. But uh, wisdom for how we communicate, and hence the title, Wise Words for Big Mouths. Um, and while I do intend for that to be a bit humorous, the application is not uh, exclusively for those who uh, we may think of as being loud and or talkative. Uh, this is for anyone who talks or writes or listens and reads and watches, yes, everyone, um, because all culture is a conversation. I, I ran across that line recently, all culture is a conversation. I recently reread a book by Neil Postman, and the title by itself is fantastic, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business. He was a, a professor of uh, communications and an expert in media ecology, and he was lamenting the fact in this book that not just politics, but really all public discourse, uh, all, all that we talk about in, in community as a culture, as a nation, had turned into show business. It was just entertainment so that it would skew some issues, uh, bring some issues while ignoring others. Um, and, and he was writing that book in 1985. Uh, he was just talking about television. Uh, that's what he was worried about. It just, it just think if he'd lived in the internet age with, with social media. But, but it's true, and it's only uh, intensified and amplified in, in our age, our age of communications, that all culture is a conversation. And the, the fact uh, is, is that we're all in the conversation one way or another, um, whether you are someone who likes to get into in debates on Facebook or Twitter, or or, or you're just someone who, who likes to sit at the uh, table in the diner and and get you know kind of take in the latest scuttlebutt uh, at the at, at, over coffee. Uh, my question for us is today, for this sermon: How are you engaged in the conversation? How are you engaged in the conversation? What are you What are you taking in? What are you giving out? What are you trying to accomplish with what you have to say? We're going to cover this in four points, two Proverbs in each one. Uh, so we're going to go through them quickly. But all they're, they're all describing different ways to be engaged in conversation, in the conversation. So part one, silly or substantive? 
how are you engaged in the conversation? Uh, Proverbs 15, 14 says, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth, mouths of fools feed on folly. So but before we get to what you have to say, what you contribute to the conversation, this has to do with what you consume. So the, the proverb points to, naturally you can see this, a contrast, the, the wise seek wisdom, the fools seek folly, and that may seem like merely stating the obvious, well, yeah, it's who they are. Um, and, and it may also seem, if you think about it a little bit more, may seem a little ironic. I mean, if the wise already has understanding, why is he seeking knowledge? Isn't, the, isn't it the fool that needs wisdom? Yes, it is very ironic. But this is the insight, and it comes up again and again in Proverbs in, in many different ways. For both the wise and the foolish, their character directs their desires and their behaviors, which then further shapes them and reinforces their character. The wise person who seeks wisdom only continues to grow and in ways that are beneficial, while the fool spirals down into more and more self-destructive ways. Uh, and of course, it's meant to be, you know, well, who do you want to be? I mean, which direction do you want to go? In, in this proverb, you see also, besides the contrast between the person of understanding and the fool, there's also the heart in one line and the mouth in the other. Now that, that could, and we're supposed to think here, what, what, how do those go together, not go together? Why are they paired here? Um, that could be another point of contrast. It could, you know, one has a, a depth of character, a soul, a mind. The other is more, no more than behaving like an animal, just filling their stomach. On the other hand, and I think this is the direction I would lean, that it could be just two aspects that are together give us the whole picture. Right? We've seen this before. Your, your intake is, is never just about what your eyes see or your ears hear. It's about what your heart seeks. And that's true for both the wise and the fool. It's, it's, it is a heart issue about what the heart seeks, and that's determining what they're, both of them are feeding on. So consider uh, what you are consuming, and what does that reveal about what you are seeking? what your heart seeks. So, uh, what's in your YouTube watch history? Are, are, uh, are, or when you're going through the news, are, do, you, do you like to gorge yourself on tabloid-style uh, items? Are, are you swallowing every rumor that goes around the office? What does that say about your heart? What are you seeking? What, what do you love? One, one commentary I read on this uh, pointed out that the Hebrew word for translated in the second line as feeds, uh, was often used of grazing animals. And so uh, this scholar said, you know, it, it could imply uh, maybe not, you know, gorge, feeds on gorging on folly. Maybe it's just a sort of a random nibbling, just kind of wandering about random nibbling. Isn't, isn't that true of us today, uh, especially online? I mean, anymore it feels like you don't really watch the news. You just kind of scroll through headlines, you know, kind of see what What's the latest on the Alec Baldwin story and, you know, this and that and this is all, it's all that kind of stuff. It, it, we, I, try to, I don't know about you, I try to resist the clickbait. I try to read some more thoughtful articles as well, but it's so easy to give yourself, isn't it? In our world, with the technology we have, it's so easy to give yourself to random nibbling of meaningless trivia. And the proverb says that is a, the behavior of fools. 
It calls us to be wise, to seek wisdom, knowledge, understanding, not to be brainy, not to be intellectual so much that that is wrong with being intellectual, but but or educated, but but to be wise, to be understanding, to to live with some depth. And now Read that proverb again, Proverbs 15, 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. And then go to the next one, Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. So, so see, they're really close to in their wording to each other, but instead of what uh, the previous proverb, what goes in the mouth of fools, we see what comes out. Where the last proverb gave us the uh, complementary picture of heart and mouth, different, but they go together. You have them both in one person. Here we have tongue and mouth, virtually identical, both talking about speech, both having to do with what you say. And the first line, commends, um, might make you think of recommends, and that's, yeah, that's close. Um, but it's not as, as though the wise person just goes around saying, Hey, fool, knowledge is good for you. You should try it sometime. Not, not recommends, like, like you recommend a restaurant or recommend a book. Not, not, uh, the, the, the commendation of, of knowledge is implied in, in this sense. When the wise person speaks, what he or she has to say and how they say it makes wisdom, knowledge, understanding just seem more attractive, more desirable. So it's worth asking, when you speak, whether that's uh, in your home, in the uh, hallway at school, whether you uh, write, post, comment online, do you inspire people to pursue wisdom? Not because you are preachy or so you scold people. You, you bunch of fools, how can you think that? Why, why would you? No, I can't believe you idiots think like that. No, because do you inspire people to pursue wisdom because you are thoughtful others want to be thoughtful. Or because you are fair, others want to be fair. Or because you are gracious, other people want to be gracious. What does your tongue commend? Does your tongue commend uh, you know, that, that you, can, you can win if you just use the right words? You can, you can belittle people because of your... your uh, Witty comebacks? What, what pours out of your mouth? Now, I, I get it. You know, things like Twitter are made for snarky comebacks. Snapchat is built for silliness that exists for a moment before it evaporates. And, and I'm not saying that Christians can't be on those platforms. Many are, and you don't, have to, you don't necessarily have to walk out of the break room every time it turns into a, excuse me, a, a BS session in the company break room. Sometimes you do. You do need to leave the conversation. You need to get off the platform. But wherever you are, don't be a fool who pours out folly. The Hebrew for pours out here means flow, spring, bubble up, and which, which could be used to describe a fountain, something, of course, beautiful and refreshing. Um, but this is a, a flowing stream of folly, a, a stream of silliness, an eruption of idiocy. And another translation puts it, the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. <laughs> Not attractive. Uh, you know, the commending knowledge or, or something very unattractive. How are you engaged 
in the conversation? Are you, let's go to point two, uh, reckless or restrained? Reckless or restrained? Uh, Proverbs twelve sixteen says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Now, here's another contrast between the fool and the prudent, a.k.a. the wise, and it has to do with how they react to a negative situation. Vexation, you know, that's an old word, but it describes being annoyed, irritated, exasperated, and then in the second line, insult, that kind of parallels that, is one, uh, you could say, is one specific example of a possible cause for vexation, you know, being irritated. That would make you upset, right, if you got, were insulted. And again, the difference between these two kinds of people, the fool and the wise, fool or prudent, is in their response. The vexation of a fool is known at once. I mean, you say something to him that, that, that comes, that either, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it is a, an insult, maybe it just comes off bad, or they, they take it the wrong way. And the fool, in, in a moment, the, the face turns red, her voice becomes shrill. How dare you? Who do you think you are? are? What gives you the right? Whoa. Now, if you've been insulted or otherwise upset, you, you can say, well, what's wrong with, with you know, confronting that, Did, you know, turning around and, and, but, well, here, maybe don't ask what's wrong with that. Maybe in one sense, yeah, you have the right to counter whatever they have to say. Maybe don't ask what's wrong, but what's foolish? That's what the Proverbs are getting at. Maybe, it might be foolish to uh, make your vexation known at once because maybe you've misunderstood their intentions. Maybe they weren't really insulting your intelligence when they offered to help you. Maybe they weren't implying that you were stupid or helpless. Maybe they could have worded whatever they said a little bit better. Probably so. And here, the second line, the prudent ignores an insult. And that, that word here, ignores, was uh, translated here as ignore. It's the same Hebrew word that was used in the proverb we looked at last week, uh, Proverbs ten twelve. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It's really the same idea. You're, you're going ign- to ignore that. You're going to like, okay, I'm not going to throw it back at you. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to drop it. I'm going to let it go. And you see, you see, though, how that, the idea of covering uh, contrasts well with the first line, known, as opposed to some just like, hey, they're going to throw that at me? Like, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to make known. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uncover. I'm going to sh- show you how I feel about it. Now, you could, and, that, and that's the fool. It, I would understand if someone would say, well, man, does it sound like the Bible is, wants me to suppress my emotions? Um, of course, we all know that that's unhealthy, right? Well, no, no, that's not what's going on here. The concern is that in a situation where you might be offended, where you might be upset, and maybe they did uh, speak wrong of you, you will be wiser, you'll be wiser not to react immediately. You might be, you might be wrong. You, yes, you feel under, misunderstood. You feel falsely accused, but maybe you have misunderstood them. And maybe, and maybe it's just not worth it to fight back. Maybe it's just not worth it. Uh, have you ever heard of, of Abraham Lincoln's hot letters? I mean, not, not romantic 
uh, letters. But he, he, but he called them, his hot, these were hot letters. He would, uh, if he was upset with somebody, angry, he would write a hot letter. And, and he often did this with um, union uh, generals who were just bumbling and, and just messing up on the battlefield. He would write a hot letter. And in several cases, um, historians have, have found that he, he wrote these, wrote them out, set them aside, and often, and, and sometimes he would even later, because he kept them, he, he kept these letters, and he would write the not, not sent, not signed. It just, he, 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 got his, he got his feelings out, you could say, but in waiting, he, he got past a time where he was hot, and where, you know what, this just might not be the best thing for, for our relationship, for, for working together going forward. Let's just, let's, you know, let's just not, I'm not, not going not gonna to send that. Might have been true what he had to say. He, he may very well have been upset for a good reason, but sometimes it's just not worth speaking back. So uh, use whatever strategy you need to do to slow down. Unfortunately, we don't write letters anymore we can we fire off a text, or we we uh, send a message in some way, whatever your platform is, and and boom. But but sometimes you need to, and again, not just talking about online. Sometimes you need to, whether it's count to ten, leave the room, just say, I think I need a break. I think we need a break from this. Uh, I, I want to talk. I, I don't. I'm not ignoring you. I don't. I'm I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not giving you the 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 um, silent treatment. I just, right now is not a good time for me to talk to you, for, for, my, for me and for you. Um, I, can we come back to this in a little bit? Use whatever strategy you need to do to put the letter in the box, not, not the mailbox. Uh, remember James one nineteen that says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We, we talked about slow to anger last week, slow to speak. I mean, it's, it's so deeply connected, isn't it? being slow. Let's go to the next part of this uh, same point, reckless or restrained. Proverbs 10.19 says, when words are many, transgression, sin, is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So if the last proverb we just looked at was about slowing down, not reacting immediately, if at all, this one is about knowing when to stop because sometimes the more you talk, the more likely you are to get in trouble. Not just for you to get in trouble, but for you to sin, to sin against that other person. That, that, that lies just sort of make their way in. That, that uh, a hardening of a bad attitude or, or anger, the, the fires of anger get gets stirred up hotter the more you keep piling on the words. You can see this also in a, in a kid who's uh, trying to explain what happened that, uh, that caused the big mess in the house when mom and dad were away. It's an amazing phenomenon, but it's always a lot easier to be concise when you are telling the truth. Have you ever noticed this? When you are telling the truth, it's so easy to be clear and to the point. It's when the, the words kind of pile up and, and, they, they, you have to, and you have to explain more. And, and I, mean, I, guess, I guess we can explain this, right? The, the more that you get, farther you get away from the truth, the more that you have to add more words to hopefully, uh, you know, close off all the, to, to fill up all the holes in your story. 
It's just so much easier to be concise when you're telling the truth. It takes more words to, to even begin to sound believable, but then all those words give away the lie. And really, you're just adding more to the sin, really, aren't you? You're adding more lies. Or another example, which is probably closer to what uh, this proverb is talking about. You're, you are, uh, say you are talking with someone else, a friend, coworker, whatever, and you're talking about, the two of you, talking about another person that you both know friend, co-worker, family member, whatever. And, and you start off talking to this other person about someone else. You start off talking, make it, this, this is kind of an offhand comment about, uh, you know, one of the ways that, that that person gets on your nerves or they, they, they blew at that time or, you know, they really, really disappointed you, whatever. And then, and then, you know, very quickly, suddenly you start, that, that one thing kind of gets you going, right? You're like, you know, and then there was that other time. And when you come to think of it, I, I think I see a pattern. And, you, and amazingly, you come up with all these things, and then, and then you get all the ways that they get on your nerves, all the ways they, they, they just fail. After, and, then, and then you start, I mean, I, I just know this because I do this sometimes. So you, then you start, you turn from there, you go into psychoanalyzing them, right? You go into, uh, you, you're getting into their heads. This is, wow, this is why. You know why. You know why they do this. And, uh, you, you know, your elaborate ex- explanations for why they act like they do. And we, we realize how easily we, do, we all do this. It's, it's, it's sobering. It's also uh, sobering when you, when you figure that it's only natural that there are other people talking about you in the same way and you're there, there you know, because we all have. We all have quirks. We all have failures. We all have ways that we've, we've blown it and disappointed other people. And uh, how would you like other people to have that conversation about you? Would you hope that one of them would say, would just kind of put the brakes on? <laughs> would say, or maybe turn the corner and say, yeah, but you know, I do appreciate this. You know, or, or for the ways that they, uh, they always do that. But, you know, I can, I can also see how that's, that's a strength when, when they've, uh, the way that they've really come through. And just, just be careful, though, if you, if you think, well, I, I need to balance this out with, with saying positive stuff that you don't just go into flattery. That's not helping either. That's, that's actually more, more words, more sin. And you can get there with flattery just as, as much as uh, crit- criticism. Let your words be few. Which maybe is a good way to end that point and move on to the next one. Uh, number three, here's another way we can be engaged in the conversation. Either pontificating, or persuasive. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Probably everyone here has had the experience uh, sometime sitting at the, let's say, a cafeteria table, lunchtime conversation being monopolized by one person who loves to hear himself talk because, well, he knows it all right? Uh, you, might have, you might have put up with that person in eighth grade, but uh, somehow in the evolution of our culture, we've given all those people talk shows. And, and, you know, and opinions about politics and sports and movies and cars and on and on. And then, you know, in, in the internet age with first blogs and then Facebook and Twitter, it's like we gave every American their own talk show. Huh. Everybody's got an opinion. And everybody was ready to let, let you know about it. Now, there are a lot of positives to everyone having a voice. 
Uh, no one publisher or political party can control the conversation. The, the internet has a, it has a certain democratizing effect that can be good. But when everyone has a voice, it can create other negative effects. Uh, I mean, you think about all the difficulties we have of getting to some kind of truth when there are so many voices saying so many things, and it's just hard to know who to trust. But, but more to the point here, uh, you know, when, when everybody has a voice, it, it can seem like everyone has to have an opinion on everything. Like, we're obligated to give our take on every current event. Everybody's got to kind of weigh in on, on what's going on. And if you don't weigh in, like, well, why aren't you, taking, why aren't you standing up for this or that or whatever? And, and it just goes on and on. Now, this dovetails with the previous point of being reckless or restrained. Maybe you should slow down and listen first before offering your uh, particular slant. Let, let more of the facts come to light. Let your emotions settle down. That would be wise because you are saying, you know, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe there's more to the issue. Maybe there's more to the story. Um, this, and there's, this, there's more stuff going on in the background or in the past that led up to this. doesn't mean we shouldn't land somewhere, shouldn't uh, take a position, uh, take a stand. That's fine. But, but just understand, the fool takes no pleasure in understanding. He can't be bothered to listen to give or, or give people the benefit of the doubt. She can't afford to wait and, and let somebody else comment first. You've got to get your, your voice out there so that everybody knows where, where you are and, 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 and that you had something to say. Well, if I don't speak, uh, others won't know how spiritual I am or, or how reformed I am or how patriotic I am or how woke I am. Like, just slow down. The world might not need to hear your opinion, even if it's right. You'd be wiser to take pleasure in understanding instead of pontificating. Now, that, that proverb gives us the fool. The next one in the same point shows us the wise. Proverbs 16 and verse 23. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. See how this is? Very different from the, the fool who just doesn't, takes no pleasure in understanding, just in expressing his opinion. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. So, if sometimes wisdom is not saying anything at all, at other times wisdom is choosing your words carefully. Yes, saying something, something needs to be said, but choosing your words carefully. Again, we see this connection between our heart and and our mouth, or in this verse, lips. As, as Jesus said in Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, you could look at the two lines of this proverb uh, 1623, and see it as, well, you know, just kind of one thing on top of the other, right? He makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. But I think, I think maybe better understood the second line being the result of the first. By being wise in his use of words, he becomes more persuasive. Other translations have it something like more instructive, um, persuasive, instructive. So, and this proverb presents that as a good, desirable thing. We should want to be persuasive. Uh, 
Why? Well, think about the difference between the last proverb and this one. The difference between pontificating and persuading. Pontificating, pontificating says, I know it all. Listen to what I have to say. I am the last word. Uh, we might be tempted to think, compared to that, that, that persuading seems, I don't know, weaker. You know, pontificating, that's strong. Persuading is weaker. It's like, as if we're saying, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling, it feels like we're negotiating. Um, like, well, you know, there's another side. You know, have, you, have you thought about this? And, and pontificating, just like, this is it. I'm right. Um, but think. Think about persuading more deeply. Persuading means that you know you see things differently, that you disagree. You stand in different places, but the wisdom of well-chosen words, by using the wisdom of well-chosen words, you are working carefully and, and lovingly to win them over. We, we, I, I said this in a, a previous setting. It wasn't in this series, but earlier this year. We need Christians who are not simply trying to win over people, but to win people over. A lot of times we're like, we, we're just going to, we need to win over people. We're gonna, we will we'll, we'll take our, our truth, what we believe, and we will bulldoze. That's not, that's not how we conquer. We conquer through a word, through the gospel that comes and says, this is, this is good news. And, and yes, yeah, some people will reject it. Some people will angrily. And, and, that, and it takes a, a, a kind of boldness to present that, but it also takes a, a, a winsomeness and an understanding and, a, and a, a something that communicates, I understand where you are, but here, this is something that meets your need. This is good news. A persuasion is not trying to win over people, but to win people over to what is true, to what is good, to Christ. It might, take, it might take more time, it might more, take more careful thinking and listening and deliberate speaking, fewer sound bites, fewer zingers to win the applause of people who already agree with you, and more patient, careful words. How are you engaged in the conversation? Here's the last point. Harmful or healing? Proverbs 18.6 a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Now, I'm not going to take a long on this proverb. It's, it's just fun. I mean, right? You're walking lips. Are you picturing walking lips? Walking into his fight. His mouth is just asking for a punch in the face. Well, not, not and, and you understand. It's kind of like one, one of the proverbs we looked at earlier. Not literally. He's not literally saying, go ahead, hit me. But, but what he is saying is just asking for it. The way he talks the way he handles his words, he's just asking for a fight. It just gets him into big trouble. Now, we're going to close in just a moment with the last proverb that, that says that, that our words can harm others, but I, I included this. Just a quick reminder, your words can harm you. Don't be a fool. I mean, this is, this is really simple, schoolyard kind of wisdom, but you know, don't, don't make fun of people who are bigger and meaner than you are. Or, or, or when, the, when the officer comes up to your, uh, the window of your car, that's not the right time for jokes or sarcasm. Just, yes, sir. No, sir. That's, that's fine. That's, that's, that's best. If you're, if you're, the question to ask here is if your mouth is constantly getting you in trouble with your parents, your wife, your boss, it's time to wise up. You may be mad at them for whatever reason, but you're hurting yourself when you talk like that. 
Let's go to the last proverb. Proverbs 12, 18. Harmful or healing? There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That last proverb was a little funny. This is serious. Very serious. You you know that if you've been on the wrong end of rash words. Words can be weapons. Uh, You know, sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Words can be weapons, and they can do great harm. Now, of course, if you're the one holding the sword, it can feel pretty good. And, and that's why it's so, so easy and so dangerous. It, it may feel strong and powerful to cut and to slash with your words, to leave them bleeding. And whether you're, whether you're a weapon of choice, if I can play with this metaphor a little bit, whether your weapon of choice is the heavy broadsword of, of yelling and cursing and intimidating, or you prefer the the light and nimble rapier of the swordsman. The, the cutting sarcasm is more your style. The, the wit that leaves them wilted. Well, you, you don't intimidate, you just humiliate. Either way, you found the way to outduel your opponent and leave them bloody. An interesting thing in this proverb, that the, the person in the first line is not really identified. It's not unusual. It's not the, the fool or the wicked or whatever. It's just there is one uh, as in, there, there's a certain kind of person who does this. The second line, of course, gives us the contrast with the wise. So the one who stabs with their words is at least a fool, maybe, maybe worse. And the key descriptor, though, in the first line is, is rash, those rash words. And that captures a number of things that we've, we've already talked about. Words quickly spoken, perhaps too carelessly, too thoughtlessly or, or, or maybe rash in the sense of very carefully chosen to hurt, but not held back. That you, you, you let them fly. You, oh, you knew. You knew exactly what this was going to do, and you just let it fly. Too quickly spoken or simply not held back. Words unsheathed in an instant that pierce the heart. Words that once spoken cannot be unheard or forgotten. So think, we're in Proverbs. Why is this unwise, why is it foolish to use rash words? And in one sense, it's, it's right there. You, you, you will do great harm to the people around you, deep hurts, and, and eventually, you know, if, you, if that's just, that characterizes you, that's just how you talk, eventually you will soon find yourself unloved and alone. Think about what you're doing with your words. But the proverb gives us how good it is to bring healing with your words. Think, words that bring comfort to the grieving. Words that bring hope to the discouraged. Words of appreciation to the faithful servant. Words of love for the faithful friend. And good news to the sinner, to the lost to the broken. Now, it's true, as we saw in a, a sermon a while back, um, sometimes words can give a rebuke. Sometimes good words can sting. The truth hurts, we say. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, unlike the flattery of an enemy. But those are not the wounds described here. 
This proverb asks us to consider the effect of our words, positive or negative. Consider the effect of your words. You have the power to harm or to heal through your words. We, we know that we, we see the stories of, of Jesus healing with a word. We know his, the, the, the sting of his rebuke. We, we know how he held back words at times, even when he was on trial, when he was falsely accused and insulted. We, we know the power of words that Jesus shows us and we're called to follow. We, why do we seem to get more satisfaction from from the power to harm rather than the power to heal? Well, it points back to that connection uh, of our hearts to our mouths. We need, we need to have a more Christ-like heart. We need Christ to change our hearts by His Spirit. And what, what, one way, some of the, the changes that could come about that, that you could go from this room today uh, with, a, with a plan to do, with, with a, a desire by God's grace to do, what, what if you... Consider in these moments that we have in closing and as we pray and as we sing and as we leave, who, who do I need to talk to? Maybe who have I hurt with my words? Who do I need to talk to either to bring healing? And maybe before, maybe before you, you try to, well, I, I hurt them before, now I'll try to uh, affirm them and encourage them. Well, maybe the words you need to use first are the words that say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Those can be healing words as well. Very healing. Confession. I was wrong when I did this, when I said that. Repentance. I don't want to do that again. And seeking grace and forgiveness. Please forgive, forgive me. Why do we so often, from the same mouth that James says in, in uh, James 3, we, with one mouth, with the same tongue, we bless our Lord and we curse other people, pe- curse people made in his likeness, made in his image. He says, that, that ought not to be. That ought not to be this way. How are you engaged in the conversation? Online, around the table, in in the foyer on the way out this morning? Who do you need to talk to today in a way that pleases God? Let's pray that God would use His words, His wise words, to make us wise and loving and redemptive as His healing words have been for us. Would you pray with me? how easy it is to sin with our mouths. God, we pray that you would forgive us and help us to seek forgiveness and to extend forgiveness to others. Thank you, Father, for for covering our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for ignoring those insults as you went to pay the price that, the, that our sins deserved. Lord, I pray that we would, being redeemed and transformed by your good words, that we would, that we would extend that same grace to others.
help us. God, would you bring healing? Would you bring healing through your word, through our words as they reflect yours? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.